0: hello and welcome to truth for today with terry fant and yes i'm your host terry fant in a world full of confusion that leads to chaos the answer for clarity is the absolute truth of god's word it has stood the test of time i hope you'll listen to this message with an open heart and that god would speak to you one-on-one through it if you're ever in the florence mississippi area then we would love for you to join us for live worship please feel free to reach out to me at terryfant at icloud.com May the Lord bless you as he draws, shapes, and instructs you. Now, let's listen to today's message. Hallelujah, amen. It's good to be in the house of the Lord tonight. If you have your Bible, I'm gonna invite you to. Can you guess where? Oh, come on now, like you're excited. First Peter, all right, first Peter. And we're going to be in, we're, anybody remember what chapter we're still in? Chapter two, listen to you guys. Uh, we're becoming people of the book, aren't we? Uh, all of our days, we intend to be instructed, informed, and nourished by the living Word of God. And I'm thankful tonight that God has a message on my heart that I believe is going to do just that. First Peter chapter 2, we're going to be picking up where we left off. Anybody remember what verse we left off in? Verse 3, right? So we're starting in verse number 4. That's exactly right. So chapter 2, 1 Peter, beginning in verse number 4. And we're going to go all the way down, are you ready, to verse number 12. Are y'all glad to be here? Y'all looking sad. Y'all, Some of y'all got a sad look on your face tonight. Uh, I hope the Word of God will encourage you tonight. and call you up and instruct you and polish you a little bit and chip off the rough edges. And I know it's going to do that for me uh, tonight, 1 Peter chapter 2. I want us to kind of, if we could, review for a minute. That would be all right with you all? All right. And uh, I want you to think for a minute about uh, the power of the Word and the authority of the Word in the believer's life. And I want you to, for a moment, think about, okay, the, the power and the authority of the Word of God in the believer's life and how we oftentimes neglect it. Would you, would you think that's an accurate statement? We neglect it. For instance, can you imagine... Can you imagine if we got everybody's phone tonight and we got your code, right? And y'all looking real nervous out there. And, and we went to the part that shows us your screen time. And oh, boy, y'all looking, y'all looking funny now, boy. And, and, and if we could, if the Word of God had the same kind of tracker on it, if we could access your Bible and, and it could tell us the kind of page time the kind of time you've had uh, looking into, meditating on, uh, processing the Word of God, I wonder tonight which one would hold more weight. And I'm afraid, I'm afraid that most of us, most of us would have to say our screen time would be uh, proportionately grander. Would you agree with that statement? Than our time in the Word of God. Now, uh, what do we do about that? Well, I hope tonight God chips a little bit more of that away in me. Uh, because we are, I'm telling you, you and I are creatures of habit, and we can get drawn into something so easily, and so tonight, I want to encourage you. Now, if you saw today, I posted on Facebook, all right, and Facebook, listen, let me tell you this real quick. Facebook's not evil, okay? Facebook is neutral. It depends on what you use it for and how much time you spend there, okay? Now, uh, if you'll go on there, you'll notice I posted a an article from desiringgod.org on um, what the devil does to me and you in the chair while the word of God is being preached uh how many of you got a chance to look at that today a few of you okay wow just okay about 15 percent of us all right I want to encourage the rest of you make sure before you lay your head down tonight you get the opportunity to read through that and it'll tell you about the battlefield that's going on out there while I'm preaching the word here tonight okay and and I believe this I believe it will help me and you be not quite so casual about our time of gathering under the preached Word of God. Now in our lives, we sort of rank things and we say, well, uh, being under the preached Word is no, is no different than reading the Word for myself or, or talking with my friends about it or being in small group, and that is unequivocally wrong. That's unbiblical view of the preaching of the Word of God. Do you know the Word of God says that God has chosen the, uh, the foolishness of preaching? Uh, to bring wise to salvo- people to salvation and to instruct the people of God. And so it's very important. So I want you to read that. Make sure you get into that tonight and pray through that. And I hope this is what I'm hoping. I'm hoping at our gathering, at this particular part of the body, we will take more seriously our coming in here and praying for each other because there's a battle going on in your chair. And the enemy wants to steal your attention. And he doesn't want you to get what God has for you tonight. So I, you don't know this, but I've been praying for you specifically. I've prayed for the chair that you're sitting in. And I've prayed for you guys that, that as there's a battle rages, while I'm preaching, there's gonna be, you're going to be thinking about tomorrow. You're going to be thinking about clash, You're going to be thinking about an upcoming ball game. You're going to be thinking about all kind of nonsense. And the enemy is going to try to plant those little thoughts in there so that the word of God does not have the effect that God wants it to have in your life. So just know this. You've been prayed for, all right? So now, let's dive in. If you have your Bible, let's dive in right now. First Peter chapter 2. Quickly review. Who is it that wrote the book of First Peter? That was an easy one, wasn't it? And uh, anybody can tell me something about Peter. If I was to sit down and ask you, hey, tell me something you know about Peter. Was Peter ever a chicken? Yeah. Okay, yes. Uh, matter of fact, he was a chicken on one occasion, three times. Right? Uh, somebody tell me who did he deny three times on one occasion? Jesus. Now, Jesus told him he was going to, but then he said he wasn't. Who was right? Jesus. Here's a great truth from the from from that little illustration. Jesus is always he's always right. Now, who among us? Who among us, if we had a betrayer in our camp, in our circle of best friends, in the people that are going with us in life, who of us, if we knew the person was going to betray us, would continue to love and walk with that person? I'll tell you, not many of us. We'd have said, now, look, Peter, I know you're going to deny me three times and betray me. So listen, what you need to do is hit the road, buddy. i got to get me a new group of friends. And he didn't do that. He said, you're going to reject me. And then when you come home, I want you to strengthen the brothers, OK? And so that's exactly what happens. So Peter goes from chicken little to bold as a lion. He begins to preach the word of God. And he does it in such a way in front of the same group of people that were shouting, crucify Jesus. And he did it in such a way that at the end of his message, they ask a question. And the question that they asked in the early part of Acts was, what must we do to be saved? And so 3,000 that day were saved, the same chicken, now bold as a lion. Why? Because of the power of the resurrection and the indwelling of God's spirit in this man turned from chicken turned lion. Now, tonight, that same Peter wrote this letter. Now, can anybody tell me, the audience that he wrote to is living in a time of high economic success, right? Huh? Uh, they are living in a time when uh, everything is peaches and cream, right, for the, for the Christians. No, there had been a, a, tra- a traumatic event. There had been a large fire. The, the fire was blamed on the Christians. So the Christians were facing persecution both for the physical event of the fire, but also because they claimed Jesus was Lord. All right? So they're catching it on every side. They're getting death threats. They're getting persecuted. They're facing it on every side. <clears throat> and so as you and I have read so far through the first part of 1 Peter, we've learned that Peter said it didn't really matter how they live. They could just kind of put it on cruise control and sit around and hug, and it didn't matter if they, how they lived their lives, right? The opposite of that was true. <clears throat> we found that he said this is your opportunity in the midst of this difficulty to shine brightly. So rise up and shine. And he's told them some specific things, some things that when you hear them, you're like, that's kind of pointed, that's kind of straightforward. But the purpose is that if they're not careful, they're going to miss their dark backdrop of difficulty and the wonderful platform it provides by shrinking back into comfort, safety, and pleasure okay so now we're going to pick up here in chapter two by the way y'all enjoy going verse at a time book book book. book yes uh we learn a lot that way one builds on the other and man it starts making sense to us so remember in chapter one we looked at uh Resurrection Sunday is where we began our journey in first Peter and we said there's one thing the title of that message was living hope and my question for you this morning or excuse me this evening is who is our living hope Jesus we talked about the fact that sometimes we put our hope in other things as young people, we put it in our parents, and our parents let us down. We put them in sports, sports let us down. We put them in academics in careers, and all that lets us down. And we try all kinds of things to put our hope in until finally we get sometimes to a place of desperation. We finally put our hope in Jesus, and my goodness, aren't you glad you did? So he goes on to talk about the fact that with that hope, we have an inheritance in heaven, and all that comes with that. And then we flow through chapter two, as he talked about in, in excuse me, end of chapter one, verse 13, where he says, how you live your life, I'm summarizing, matters. Live holy. Live different, okay. And then at the end of that, he talks about the Word of God and its power in our lives to love each other differently. And so now we found ourselves picking up in verse number 4, and we're going to read down through verse number 12. Y'all feel like you got a little footing as to where we're going? Yes? Some of y'all are like, no, I don't even know what day of the week it is. Uh, It is, in fact, Wednesday, and you have come to the right place. And let's stand to our feet tonight, if you would, in honor of reading God's Word. 1 Peter chapter 2, beginning in verse number 4. You guys ready? Amen. Let's dive in. Coming to him, Jesus, as to a living stone, rejected by men but chosen by God. And y'all say the word with me. Precious. Precious. You also, as living stones, are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God. How? The only way you'll ever offer up an acceptable sacrifice to God is through jesus christ therefore it is also contained in the scripture behold i lay in zion a chief cornerstone elect precious and he who believes on him will by no means be put to shame therefore to you who believe he is in fact precious but to those who are disobedient the stone which the builders rejected has still become the chief cornerstone and a stone of stumbling or a rock of jesus yeah jesus They stumble being disobedient to the word to which they were appointed. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of the darkness into his marvelous light, who once were not a people but are now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy but now, come on, somebody help me, Oh, I have obtained mercy. I wish y'all could have seen the lady in the cafeteria at Baptist Hospital today when she's running people through the line like cattle, and it got to be my turn. And I said, how are you today? And she mumbled something through her mask, and I think, it was, I think it was, how are you? And I said, I'm doing wonderful. And she looked at me like I lost my mind, and, I, and she said, you're doing what? I said, wonderful. And I said, let me tell you why. I didn't give her a chance to ask because I don't think she was going to. <laughs> and I said, because I'll never taste one ounce of the wrath of God i've obtained mercy it has been purchased for me and given to me and so because of that i have hard days but not bad days and that's what he's talking about you want you weren't a people you'd not have, you'd not received mercy but now you have obtained mercy oh that's so good verse 11. beloved i beg you as sojourners and pilgrims abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul having your conduct honorable among the gentiles and when they speak against you as evildoers, they may, by your good works, which they observe, glorify God in the day of visitation." Let's pause for a word of prayer. Will you bow with me? <clears throat> God, I want to just shout, glory, hallelujah. The house is full on a Wednesday night. And I thank you for a people who are hungry for your word. And I thank you, God, for the message you've put on my heart. I thank you for the truth of your word. I thank you for its timelessness. I thank you for its power. And tonight I pray that you would, once again, empower me from on high lord may your spirit do the preaching tonight through this this uh, less than ordinary vessel and by doing so prove to every man woman boy and girl that you really can use anybody you choose to anywhere you want to use them however you deem fit so do that tonight once again as you preach through me god preach a message to my heart because i need it and so does every other person within the sound of my voice god i pray your word would settle down into our ears into our spirit into our soul and that God, your word would transform us, renew our minds and send us out of here different. And Lord, I pray right now for the battle in the pew, the battle in the chair, the battle in the rows, as the enemy seeks to steal, kill, and destroy every every seed you want to plant from your word today. So God help us, defend us, and keep our attention. In Jesus' name we pray. The people of God said, amen. Thank you and you may be seated. Now <clears throat> I've got a lot to cover, okay? Y'all, re- y'all good. Everybody okay? Uh, some of y'all are like, oh, man, I picked the wrong Wednesday night to come. <clears throat> I've got a lot to cover, so I'm going to dive right in, okay? a part of our message is, which is the right foundation? Which is the right foundation? I had someone ask me years ago, hey, do you think I should do my driveway in concrete or asphalt? Now, you know, at the time, I was laying asphalt, and so, of course, uh, most of them would thought I would have said, uh, asphalt, but I began to ask them a little bit more about what their soil condition was and what was going on because one is better in some applications and one is better in the other. And that's the foundation of their driveway, if you will. Now, more important than the foundation of your driveway is the foundation of your home. Any of you all learned that the hard way? Any of you got doors that won't shut, cracks in the? Don't raise your hand. You may be putting your house up so you don't want everybody to know, right? <laughs> and, so, and so because the foundation sometimes can have problem, The structure has problems. Listen to me when I tell you this. When the foundation has problems, the structure is always going to have problems, okay? It doesn't matter how well you build on top of the foundation if the foundation is not the right foundation. Is anybody tracking with me tonight? Say amen. Okay, so what we're going to talk about is not the foundation of a building, thanks be to God. But we're going to talk about the foundation of life, the foundation principles of a person's beliefs, the foundation of a person's life. In other words, what does their life look like based upon some foundation, one particular foundation? I'm going to get to that in just a moment. So let's dive in, if we can, all right, First Peter chapter 2, verse 4. And let me give you the main idea of what we just read. The main idea of that passage is simply this. Jesus is the difference maker. <clears throat> Jesus is. What is Jesus? All right. Who's the difference maker? So tell me the whole sentence, main idea in one line is this, Jesus is the Difference Maker. Hey, what would you do last night? Oh, I went to church. You went to church on Wednesday night? Yeah, we go out in the middle of nowhere, a bunch of crazy folk, uh, break their week up and go right out in the middle of nowhere, and they get under the preaching of the Word of God, and our lives are transformed. It's the most crazy, crazy thing you ever seen. What'd you learn? Well, I learned it. Jesus <laughs> is the Difference Maker. He's the Difference Maker. Now, there's a particular term I'm going to use about the Difference Maker, and that is the cornerstone. Literally the chief cornerstone. Okay, so you have your outlines, all right? I didn't ask. I should ask that already. Uh, does everybody have an outline? If you don't have an outline, will you slip your hand up? We'll make sure. Oh, never mind. They're all gone. Praise, praise the Lord. That means we got a bunch of folk here. Amen. Because uh, we had 375 of those printed out. And those are all gone. So praise God. We'll have more next week. Y'all just keep coming. Okay. So. Here we go let's rewind and if you have something to write notes on write notes on if you got two a husband and wife share one with another couple if they need one and uh, we're going to dive into this thing number one in your notes i want you to write this down jesus is the rock rejected by man okay the first thing that peter is going to instruct them on is that jesus christ is in fact the rock that is rejected by mankind now what you and i would love to believe is that the whole world loves jesus right we'd love to believe that everybody uh, follows the teachings of Jesus, which is to love your neighbor as yourself, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, to be gentle, to forgive, to be a giver. And we would think that wouldn't the world? By the way, let me just pause here. Wouldn't the world be a wonderful place if everybody was a follower of Jesus Christ? Uh, wars would be uh, non-existent. I'm I'm just telling you, if the world was filled with nothing but true, authentic followers of Jesus, there'd be no divorce, there'd be no struggle, there'd be. No- but at the same time, we acknowledge that the world has rejected. Jesus by large and part. Y'all tracking with me tonight? So culture, culture is not for him. They are against him. And if you are for him, they also will not be for you. Jesus said it this way. They hated me first. And if they hated me, they're going to hate you. And so let's dive in and look at this thing in verse number four together for just a moment. Verse four, coming to him as to a living stone. Jesus is living stone. He's the cornerstone. But he says, first of all, that that Jesus is the living stone that has been rejected indeed by men. Now, for a moment, I want us to have a mental exercise together, okay? And I, I have some men in the room that were at our, at our Tuesday morning prayer gathering. You've got the cliff notes on this message, and so you'll know when to say amen and to help me out along the way, okay? And by the way, guys, if you're here and you're ever available, come on. 545 they serve breakfast, 610 a message, and we're done by 7. But here's what happens. I want you to picture for just a minute mentally, a group of guys, a group of gals, guys and gals, and there's a large pile of stone up here on the stage, and let's just say that maybe there's a couple of our youth up here and a couple of guys from the back, a couple of ladies from the middle, and a couple from over there. And what we're doing is this large pile of stone, we're going to pick them up one at a time. And what we're looking for is a chief cornerstone. Now, you may be saying to yourself, what in the world is a cornerstone and what is the chief part of a cornerstone? And so a cornerstone in this particular time of history was that stone that was the most foundational, number one stone laid before a foundation was laid out that stone had to be just absolutely as close to perfect as it could possibly be because once you laid the first one, the rest of them ran off of that first stone. Is anybody kind of picking up what I'm saying? So you're looking for one that's level. You're looking for one that's square. You're looking for one that is foundational, one that is uh, not too hard but not too soft. You're looking for just the right, I mean, it's got to be right in every way for the rest of the the building, the structure, to come like it's supposed to be. So you'd imagine, can you all see us up here on the stage, you're visualizing it? Some of y'all ain't visualize. You're looking down. You can't visualize looking at the carpet. And so we're visualizing. We're going. And, and so maybe here we are. And Ryan picks up the first one. And he looks at it, you know. And, and uh, he asks, he asks Madden, Madden, what do you think? Madden looks at it with him. And he says, no, that one's got a little chip on the corner. So they, they, what do they do? Toss it in the rejected pile. OK? And then Jordan, he picks up the next one. He, and Jen's over there with him. You know, husband and wife, they do it together. And he says, Jordan says, look, this one looks really good. It's flat and it's square. And they flip it over and Jen says, oh, oh, wait. Look at the bottom of it. It's chipped off. Let's tap on it. Taps on it. It's too soft. So what do they do with that one? Toss it where? The rejected pile. And so they keep on. Y'all, y'all tracking with me how this works? And so we're looking through and then Dennis comes up and he says, man, I've got, here's Dennis over there shouting, i got it, i got it. And we all run over there and we're happy because Dennis has got the cheap cornerstone we're going to be able to start building. And we go over and look at Dennis's and it looks really flat on the top and it looks really square and it looks like it's just the right thing. But we flip it over and the bottom side of it's unlevel. One side of it's kind of slanted. And now we're disappointed, right? Because, I mean, we're ready to get the building on, but the the cornerstone is so important. So what do we do with Dennis' stone? Y'all help me. What do we do? We look at it. We say, no, we reject it. We toss it into the... And that is the picture that Peter is painting to the people who are facing persecution because they have, in fact, accepted that Jesus is the chief cornerstone, but he's telling them you are dealing with a culture of people who have looked at the perfect son of God and tossed him in the rejected pile so you should expect some persecution if they could look at the son of god and who he is and his perfection and toss him in the rejected pile how do you think they're going to treat you so we see first that jesus is the stone the rock rejected y'all help me by man can you imagine looking through all the options and choosing other things to lay as the foundation of your life and yet we've done it and today if we think about that we have to ask ourselves which one in the scenario that we just painted are we and now most of us would say, oh, man, I'm the one who chose Jesus as the chief cornerstone. And I would say to you, why do you say you say? Oh, because I prayed a prayer one time, and I go to church sometimes. And, but what I would ask you on a deeper level is have you built your life on the foundation and principles and teachings of following the life and times and teachings of the Lord Jesus Christ? And if not, then our words say one thing, but our actions say another. In other words, some of our lives, listen to me now. Look up at me, because I want you to get this. Some of our lives in this room, some of our lives in this gathering, some of our lives in this nation, some of our lives look like we have, right, we have looked at Jesus and tossed him in the rejected pile because of how we live our lives. And Jesus said, you've heard me say this so many times, why do you call me Lord, he said it twice, Lord, and not do the things that I say. And so, in other words, I want you to see that sometimes our lives look as if we've looked at the cornerstone and decided to toss him and do it our way. And, oh, what a mess I have made when I have rejected the teachings, the life, the ways of Christ, and chosen my own ways. anybody else with me tonight? Y'all just stare. I'm feeling awful lonely up here tonight. But I can just tell you that's part of my story. So, let me move on, if I can, to number two. So, Jesus is the rock rejected by man. But, number two, Jesus is the rock chosen by God. Jesus is... The rock, y'all help me, he is chosen by God. Verses 4 into verse 4 and on down through verse number 7. Here's what he says. Indeed, rejected by men, but but chosen, you're reading with me in verse number 4, chosen by God and precious. Now, again, let's just, can we do a mental exercise together? Good, here we go. Some of y'all are just, your tank is absolutely empty, isn't it? And so, listen. I want you to, now this is going to be a stretch, but I want you to imagine if God was also with us as we're looking through the pile. Are you all tracking with me? You see how I say it's a stretch? It's a stretch to imagine that God would be with us in the room looking through a pile of rocks. But let's just for the sake of helping us illustrate and understand, as we're looking through, right, and we've all gone through, I've gone through some scenarios, I've mentioned some names, and if we were to go through that, we're picking these stones up, we're saying nope, 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 and then God says, here it is. Actually, God would say, here he is. And he is, in fact, my chosen cornerstone. God said, I chose him to come and be the propitiation, the appeasement, the covering of sin, the only means with which man can be right with God. God said, I've chosen there's only one way to appease my holy just wrath, and that is that the innocent Lamb of God would die in the place of all mankind. That's a cornerstone, that's the chief cornerstone. And not only that, but as I send him down to earth, he's going to live a perfect life, facing the same temptation as all of us, except do it in such a way to say, here's how you do it perfectly. And then he bled and then he died, but then he rose again. And so tonight he is the rock rejected by man, but he is the rock chosen by God. Let me make this statement to you. God himself declared Jesus as the perfect one. And who is man to say otherwise? Can you even imagine the arrogance of me and you? That we would look at Jesus and determine that some other way was better, that our way was better, that the world's way is better. You know, We think about that in business. We think about that in marriage. We think about that in gender. We think about that in every aspect of the instruction from God's word. He's got it all recorded here for us. But oftentimes, we're so smart that we think there's a better way. And every time, boy, we face some difficulty, don't we, when we toss Jesus into the rejected pile. So, Jesus is the rock chosen by God. Some of you are looking sad. Don't look sad. Come on, we're going to make through this thing together. All right? Number three in your notes there, see how fast you're listening? Number three, you didn't realize you are listening that fast. Jesus is the rock of stumbling to those who choose other stones. Now, think about that for a minute. Jesus is the rock of stumbling. Let me ask you, have you ever kicked your foot on a rock? Isn't that a blessing? Now i'm not talking about a, a a gravel that's one thing i'm talking about when you're going in one direction and and it doesn't happen a lot in mississippi because there's not a lot of those but you got to go kind of like to some mountainous place you know and you're on a trail you're moving quickly and you're headed in one direction and there's a rock stands in your way and you don't see it right and you you're headed in that way and the rock stands in opposition of you keeping going that way and your foot hits against that or your shin or your knee and hallelujah, it's attached to your soul, it feels like, doesn't it? And you just crumple up and you say, where's John Michael? You say, give me just a minute. Let me catch my breath, right? Yeah. It's, it's Man, it's so painful. And why? Because you're headed one direction full speed and something stands in opposition that will not be moved by you. Jesus will not be moved by me and you. He's not going to change his opinion of gender. He's not going to change his opinion on marriage. He's not going to change his opinion on the only way of salvation. He's not going to change his opinion. Because it's not an opinion, it is the fact of God. And so watch how this thing unfolds. He says to them in verse 6, therefore, uh, it is also contained that, behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone. You see God saying, I'm laying the chief cornerstone. He's elect, he's chosen, he's precious. And he who believes on him, I love this truth, will not by no means be put to shame. Now we should be, but notice that he, he does not say he who makes amends will not be put to shame he didn't say that he didn't say he who pays restitution will not be put to shame no no he said the one who humbly cries out and puts their belief in Jesus is going to receive in return from him the ability not to be ashamed of how you lived your life up until then aren't you glad today that none of us will turn away and say no I can't fool you (laughs) you've done too much you've gone too far we should be ashamed but boy aren't you glad we don't have to be so he goes on in verse seven. Therefore, to you who believe, he is in fact precious. Would you agree with me tonight that Jesus Christ is precious? And I talk with our men on Tuesday morning, and men don't usually use that word, right? So I just want to ask you a, a question of the crowd, just to know, because I'm not a lady, and I don't always talk with ladies. So my question is: How many people in this room have used the word precious in the last week? Raise your hand. All ladies. And that's something. I knew it. I didn't know, but I i, I thought I knew. Uh, and so, and it was a quick scan. There might have been some dudes in there, but majority there everybody looked at up close was was ladies now why it's it's not really a dude term is it here's why um we can be we can be a little masculine we can be a little macho you know what i'm saying and so i want us tonight to think about something real quickly as we're talking through this and that is the word tender and i want us to think about the word the word gentle for just a minute okay now this is just for the guys for just saying but ladies you just listen okay and when I think about the word precious, I don't, I, don't, I don't want us to move past this and miss this for just a minute, okay? But the word precious and tender. I had a man come to me, it's, it happens all the time. And they said, Preacher, I think I, need to, I think I need to talk to somebody about some counseling. And I'll say, well, man, yeah, you know, tell me about that. What's, what's going on? How come we have, well, I mean, we started singing the song Sunday morning and I started crying. <laughs> and I said, yeah, isn't that something? Yeah, something's wrong with me, I never cry. And I say, well, you got saved, and now all of a sudden, the scripture promised that God will remove the old stony heart and replace it with the heart of flesh. Now, when he says heart of flesh in the Old Testament, he's not talking about a fleshly heart like the heart of Adam. He's saying a tender heart. And so the craziest thing about dudes is that God will take even the hardest man, and he'll replace that old stony heart that's hard and callous, and he'll make that thing tender. And so, guys, it's all right. You don't have to go to counseling. Uh, the Holy Ghost of God will be your wonderful counselor. It's all right. to. Cry and be tender, it's all right, OK? So precious, Jesus is precious. Now, what do you do with precious things? You protect them, you honor them, you seek them, right? Things that are precious to you. You, you keep them in a sacred place. You don't let little, little kids play with them. Uh, the, things that are precious to you. Uh, I want you to think about your great grandfather's gun that you got stored away so much. precious to you, right? It has what we call sentimental value. <laughs> and so we take care of those things. And so shouldn't it be that we also take care of the reputation of, oh, Jesus as we live our lives, whether we present to the world that we've rejected the cornerstone or that we have, in fact, built our life on the cornerstone of Jesus Christ. Uh, He's precious. Okay, I'm moving on, trying to move on. Let me just say, Jesus is the rock of stumbling to those who choose another stone. So he says in verse 7, therefore to you you who believe, rather, he is precious. But to those who are disobedient, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. So they may reject him, but he's still the chief cornerstone. I want you to hear that. Uh, The world may not get along with it. It may not be the popular opinion. It may not be culturally acceptable. But it never minds what the uh, the mind of the world thinks. God has said there's one cornerstone, and his name is Jesus. And so they may reject him, but here's what he says in verse 8, and a stone of stumbling, y'all help me, and a rock of... uh, Someone asked me one time about uh, lifestyles and situations, and how do people handle it? They said, well, you know, it's interesting because uh, we came to Hickory and we thought you were going to be somebody who preached like, you know, think positive and and all that because people are coming from everywhere. And I said, no, no, I found if you'll just preach the Word of God, God will do the rest. and and what what we talked about is they said well what about when people come in and they and you know you appreciate we're not supposed to drink alcohol and get drunk on alcohol how how do people i said well a lot of times they'll come and people love them where they are and they love them where they are but then what they'll end up doing is finally when they hear a message on that they'll 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 have to do one or two things they'll repent by the power of the holy spirit or they will bail and they'll go somewhere else or not go anywhere right now you could put that to overeating you could put that to any particular sin, homosexual, You can put it to any particular sin you want to put it to. But what happens is there is a way that seems right to man, but the end of it is destruction. But there's a way that doesn't seem right but is right, declared by God. And what happens is it stands as a stone in the rebellious pathway of mankind. And then you'll head that direction. We'll say, I'll do what I want to do. I'll love who I want to love. I'll drink what I want to drink. I'll live how I want to live. I'll eat how much I want to eat. And we'll walk that direction. We'll bash our toe right against the stone of Jesus. And he doesn't move. He doesn't move. And we stumble and we trip and we, boy, isn't it, don't you love stumbling? Anybody here love to stumble once you hit your foot on something? That's a terrible time, isn't it? Thank God it doesn't last long. Y'all know what I'm talking about. The few seconds from when you dash your foot and you hit the ground or you maybe, you know, sometimes, every once in a while we recover. But even when we recover, it's, it's a, I'm telling you, it's not, it's not fun. Uh, you bash that, you, you go to stumbling, you don't know if you gonna hit your face on the ground. I mean, it's just uncertain. And that is exactly the picture of the life that dashes up against the truth of Jesus Christ. It's unstable it's unsettled you don't know what's going to happen next you can't find hope you have to try this person you have to try that person you have to try this substance you have to try that subject you have to have this career you have to have this much money you have to have this toy come on y'all know what i'm talking about i've done it you've done it and it's just a picture he's just listen he's, he's trying to help them to be informed as to what they're up against and what they're facing and who is the one who's going to sustain them to the other side and it won't be the culture that they're facing that's going to help prop them up it's not going to be the culture that cheers you on and says yes live for jesus He's helping them to see that what he is to them is a stumbling block. And sadly, sadly, man likes to go his own way. We do. So Jesus is the rock of stumbling to those who choose another stone. Now notice what I said there, who choose another stone. Jesus intends, you know the word of God says that God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. You know what God's will is? That every person would come to know Jesus as the chief cornerstone of their life, the foundation of their lives, but not everybody will. Not everybody will. He desires it, but everybody will. So number four, look at this. Well, we got to hit, We're about to hit this list, aren't we? Some of y'all are like, uh-oh. Here we go. Number four, he is a rock of transformation for those who belong to him. So what we said today is that which, which is the right foundation? The answer is Jesus is the difference maker. He's the right foundation. He's the rock rejected by man. Number two, Jesus is the rock. Y'all help me. Oh, mercy. Swing and a miss. All right, we're starting over. Y'all ready? We're going to do two things at once. And uh, don't swing. I'm going to soft toss you this one, so don't swing and miss. Some of y'all swung out of your shoes right there. Didn't even get close to the ball. All right, here we go. You ready? Everybody tracking with me? All right, here we go. Which is the right foundation? We said the main idea is that Jesus is the difference maker. He's the right foundation. Number one, Jesus is the rock rejected by man. He is the rock chosen by God. He is the rock of? To those who choose another stone. Wow. What an encouragement. Next, he's the rock of? transformation for those who belong to him see if you build your life on the cornerstone of jesus christ you will not be the same person as you were when he was not the cornerstone remember the cornerstone sets up the rest of the building and so if i had the wrong cornerstone and i repented and came to faith in jesus and confessed him as lord then when i jesus now becomes the cornerstone guess what happens the rest of the structure is different Everything else is built different, right? And he redeems and he restores and he deals with it. By the way, the Christian life is a process. How many of you know that? Say amen. You mean to tell me that when you got saved, you weren't perfect? Heavens, no. We're not even there yet. And we're on a journey becoming a little more like Jesus. And we still mess up. Anybody amen? How many of you messed up something today? How many of you committed sin today? All right, every single solitary one of us. And aren't you thankful for Jesus, the chief cornerstone? So the rock of transformation. Now, what what do I mean by that? We're about to talk about what Jesus transforms us into. A list of how many? Oh, mercy. Y'all don't have them on your, on your outline? Oh, you don't have outlines. Good night. We're in a mess here, man. We're in a mess, Michael. We're in a mess. Some of y'all have outlines. Yes, no? Not a soul. No outlines. Well, I'm as confused as I know we had. Out. Anyway, let's move on. Let's move on. So then, a list of six. I have lost the crowd list of six all right he's the rock of transformation for those who belong to him I know now why you're not responding quickly you have a lot to write down so I apologize to you guys all right I apologize now let's focus in all right he is a rock of transformation for those who belong to him okay I want to slow down so that you have time to write I apologize and I'm serious about that because I don't want the enemy to steal it away he's trying his best to steal it away from you and I don't want him to steal it away so here's the list of six, the list of six things that are mentioned here from First Peter, uh, excuse me, from Peter in his first letter to believers who are facing great persecution. He said, "Listen, they've rejected him. God has chosen him, and because you have chosen him, this is who he has made you into." Y'all tracking with me? Okay, here we go. Number one, write this word down: royal. He's made us royal. I'm gonna have to go slow through this. All right, uh, royal. He's made us royal. And what I want you to just maybe make, it, make a little jot down in your notes about this is sons and daughters of the, of the king of kings. So notice what he says here in verse 9. But you, so they stumble being disobedient. But he says in verse 9, but you, but you, in other words, in stark contrast to the rest of the world. Our lives are to be in stark contrast to the rest of the world. But you are a chosen generation, a, first word, royal priesthood. Now, there's a combination of two words, royal and priesthood. Now, if you'll study the Old Testament, you'll find out every king who was royal, by the way, uh, royalty is kings and queens, right? And so, royalty, every king that tried also to perform the task of priest, uh, God oftentimes killed him. <laughs> I love that right there. I was like, wait, wait, what? Did you say God and killed? Yeah. Uh, they they were, they would be struck, some with leprosy, y'all with me? Um, he did not allow you to do one or the other, you, excuse me, both. You were one or you were the other. You were either priests who ministered and served in the temple or you were king, you were royal. Y'all tracking with me? But when Jesus came, he made possible for every rascal like me and rascal like you to be transformed in this cornerstone to somebody who is both royal and a priest. How about that? Now let's talk for a minute about royalty. We were talking about this as a staff this week, and Jerry said something about, she said something about kings and queens and how we don't really relate to that because we we're not a monarchy, we, we have a president. But they, are, they represent the crown. And so whatever they do, they represent the crown and the, and the family of the king and the queen, the, the prince and the princesses, y'all with me? They represent the crown. That's why y'all know a bunch of gossip about some of the ones that maybe hadn't been representing the crown very well. Y'all know what I'm talking about? And so they represent the crown, and that's why they have attention. That's why people watch them, because they represent the crown. And so as a child of the king of kings, you also represent the crown. But it's not a perishable crown. It's the victor's crown. It's the crown of glory. It's the high king of heaven. His name is stamped upon you. You belong to him, and he belongs to you, and you're his child, and that makes you royalty. And so here's what I want to share with you. You all live like it. You all not involve yourself in the peasant things of this world. You and I ought to aim whole, and we ought to consider ourselves. Now, I'm not talking about the kind of royalty that looks down on people and says, i got better food in my refrigerator than you do. I'm talking about the kind of royalty that says, I'm not going to roll down in the the, the sin of this world like a a pig in slop because I've been redeemed. I'm I'm a child of God. And friend, you ought to write that somewhere, and you need to remind yourself of that every single day that you are a child of God. And so when you go into your seventh grade classroom, you ought to know when you go in, I'm a child. There's certain things I can't talk about. There's certain things I can't joke about. There's certain things other kids are involved in. I can't send those kind of uh, pictures on Snapchat. There's no way. I'm a child of God. I can't have sex outside marriage. I can't do that. I'm a child of God. I can't. You you understand what I'm saying? Living like royalty doesn't mean I have fancy things. It means I'm living a holy life. So don't forget you represent the crown. Really, let me say it this way. You represent the king. And so now royal, but then the second word is priest. So transformation, he's the rock of transformation. He transforms um, from peasants to royalty, from enemies of God to children of God. Royalty, number two, priests. Now priests, here's what priests do in the biblical sense is that they live in service to the king. Now, uh, in the scripture, live in service to God, but we understand Jesus is the King of kings and Lord of lords. And so we, as royalty, sons and daughters of God, those of us who've been born again, we have a dual uh, purpose, right? We are royalty, but we're not not—we're not the kind of royalty that says, I don't have to do anything. I just sit over in the corner and find me a chair at church and make sure the air is like I like it, and the music's like I like it, and the preacher preaches like I like it to preach, and everything's to my, no, no, no. We are the kind of royalty that says, now, my life is eternally turned over to the, to the lordship of Jesus Christ, and whatever he wants to do is what I want to do so serving we are royal priests next thing I want you to see number three is a word that we looked at on Sunday and that is the word holy write that in your notes there number three where do you see that preacher let me read as you're writing I'm going to read verse nine okay royal priest listen to what he says you are chosen generation a royal there it is priesthood now you say how do you get priests out of priesthood well priesthood is a gathering a group of priests okay and that's what by the way that's what we are and so we're gathering a priest, a royal priesthood. And then he says, a holy nation. So we learn from the very beginning in Genesis that God desired a people that were set apart. Y'all remember the chart on the, on the overhead? He desired a people that were in that top category, what I call other. You know, you ever, you ever have a, they ask you, to maybe pick what kind of deodorant you use, and they'll list two, and then they'll say, other. And so we think about you know good, excellent, best, and then then you got other. Holy is other. It's in a category all its own. And so He has made us. Now listen, He has made us holy, meaning this: uh, we don't we don't do holy. We are holy. We're made holy, right? It means here's a fancy word. You know it? It's the word imputed. Now imputed means the holiness of Christ was put on my account. Isn't that wonderful? So that means I can go live whatever I want to live, right? I've been I've I've been given the holy. No, Uh, imputed holiness equals practiced holiness the cornerstone i'm building my life on a different set of principles it's not shifting sand it's not the principles of the world that shift with culture it's this truth that's stood the test of time and so holy uh, living set apart other uh, with an aim and holy number four in the list and there are six number four he says next a royal priesthood a holy nation his own special people that here's the purpose all right so this is number four put the word praisers in your notes praisers do you know that you if you're a child of god have been transformed by the rock of jesus christ into a praiser you are supposed to be in jesus a come on everybody together in christ you're supposed to be a, a praiser. now uh, i wonder how many of us would categorize based on the people we work with today, the people we went to school with today, the people on the team with us today, our customers and class today. I wonder how many of us would fit in the category of praiser or versus how many of us would fit into the category of complainer. Mm. Because if Christ is the foundation of my life. If he's the chief cornerstone, I realize that because I believed in what he did for me in his resurrection, I have been deemed holy and righteous. I've been made a royal priest. He did that for me. I didn't do that for me. And so it causes me to tell somebody. I can't wait to tell somebody. I couldn't wait to tell that lady. I knew I was setting her up. I said, I can't wait, because she was downtrodden and people were mistreating her. And I said, boy, I can't wait to get my turn up there. And I got my turn up there. And she looked at me like I lost my mind. But before it was over, she was talking about the Holy Spirit in her life. And we were having church right there at the, at the register. And the purpose of that is that you and I are supposed to be, help me out, praisers. What are you waiting for to praise God? What are you waiting for? We talk about all manner of nonsense, don't we? Baseball and football and fishing and hunting and all this nonsense that a thousand years from now will matter nothing. And we never mention the sweet name, the powerful name, the name that has the power to set your children free, your kids free, your, your listen, your grandparents, your parents, your neighbors, your teachers, has the power to set them free and give them purpose. And so we ought to be praisers. Listen, what is it that keeps me and you from praising? I'll tell you, you ready? We take our eyes off of him, and we put our eyes on our circumstances. And listen, if anybody has an opportunity, it's these people. Do, do you remember the context? Because we, you see how we keep going from, like, from their context to ours, see how we do that? We slip in and out. Anybody? Yes? Can I get a head nod in the house? Anybody? Okay, good. So you see how we do that? We go in and out. Now we're gonna go back to theirs for a minute. Remember what they're facing. And he's saying to them the whole reason that he saved you, he transformed you, is so that you will proclaim his praises. That's the reason he did it. And some of us are not living the reason for which Christ got a hold of us and set us free. I want to challenge you to be just weird as you can be tomorrow. Be so weird, they think your sugar's jacked up. Y'all tracking with me? I'm talking about like, I want you to go with a smile. I hope some of y'all smile for the first time tomorrow. Some of y'all just by smiling, you're going to freak them out. (laughs) Just flash your teeth at them. I'm not talking about a grin. I mean, have a big old smile where you show your teeth and whistle a little bit. Or sing. Sing your favorite praise song. And listen, by your praise, let them reach out and say, what is wrong with you? and there'll be your gospel opportunity. Well, I'm just so happy. You mean your life's all, everything's perfect? Man, my life, no, 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 I got a lot of stuff going on, but I have this cornerstone that my life is built on. And no matter my circumstances, he's the same. And I have this inheritance, and I have the Holy Spirit, and I have the church, and I have the Bible, and I have, and I have, and I have, and I have, and I have. come on, oh, we got so much more than what we don't have. And everything that we've lost were things that would not benefit us. Someone asked me, does it cost me anything to follow Jesus? I'd say, oh, it costs you everything, but nothing that you need. So you'll have to turn it in. You'll have to trade it in. So we said the praisers, proclaiming Jesus' love, His goodness, His power to deliver. Number five in your notes there, write this one down. We have, He makes us royal. He makes us priests. He makes us holy. He makes us praisers. He makes us the people belonging to God. I wish somebody in the house would get excited with me. Y'all are tough tonight, I'm telling you. The people that belong belong to God. Listen, have you thought about this if you've been born again? You're God's people. I mean, listen to me. You belong to God. Some of y'all, uh, thank you, thank you, Jimmy, and you. I'm, I mean, I'm fired up about it. The rest of y'all just staring at me like, tell us something else to write down. <laughs> That's what I got, man. That's the best I can offer you. If you're born again, you're the people of God, and we shouldn't be a people. Listen to what he says to them. But you were a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that lie, so that you may proclaim the praises, not so that you can complain about everything that's wrong, not so that you can gossip, talk about people all the time, so that your mouth would be fixed on proclaiming the praises of him who called you out of the darkness into his light. You didn't deserve it, but he gave it to you. Verse 10, who once were not a people, but now are now the people of God. You know, there was a time in my life when I thought I belonged to a brotherhood. And what we would do, we played ball together, we drank beer together, we got in fights together, we got arrested together, we tore stuff up together. I'm telling you, we did, I mean, we were, you ever heard the phrase thick as thieves? Man, we were, and if one of us needed the other one, we were there, you know, as long as we got to drink beer in the afternoon, you know? And so our life, and and if you'd have seen me at that time of my life, you'd say, hey man, um tell me about tell me about your you know do you have any you have a family oh man I got a brotherhood of dudes that man we are thickest they're my brothers they're my family but let me tell you what I found out I found out when Jesus got a hold of my heart and brought me home and I and I and he took those things that the desire for those things out of my life you know what I found out they lost my doggone phone number I mean I'm trying to be gracious to them because something happened I know it I know well, I thought we were brothers and sisters. You know, I thought we were family, man. And all of a sudden, I entered into, listen to me, the loneliest season of my life. And it was difficult, man. I wish I'd have, somebody would have shared this verse with me. Now, I learned this verse by experience. You say, what are you talking about? Well, somebody invited me to church. And so in that lonely season, I began going to church. And I found out there were a group of people who wanted to hang out with me but not get drunk and have a headache with me. And wasn't going to cost me money. And and they were there for me when things were going wrong. And they were there for me when things were going right. And they cared about me. They were praying for me. They helped me along the journey. And I found out that when I thought I was a people, I wasn't a people. Y- y'all tracking with me? I hear people, I wish I could tell me if I'm sorry. Man, the people in the, in the ballroom treat me a whole lot nicer than the people in the church. I said, yeah, but you stop doing what they're doing and watch what happens. You tell them that that's wrong and you're not going that way anymore and you watch what happens. You'll not be numero uno anymore. You won't be the captain of the party anymore. And yet, here's what I found. As you walk the journey, you'll find there's a family. There is a family of people who've been where you are, they've been there and they understand. And it's why, it's why you ought to, when you come on these premises for the purpose of getting under the preached word of God, you ought to be looking for that person that was where you once were. By the way, how many of you remember that lonely season? Raise your hand, raise it up high so I can just sort of get a little quick count. Yeah. Now, those that aren't raising your hand, you may not have had that season yet. But if you were living that and you stopped living that, it happened. And so do you remember how painful it was? Anybody remember how painful it was to think you're a people? To think that you're a people and then to realize you're not a people? To think that you're a family and realize that you're really not a family is devastating. And so it's critical for me and you to hurry and help them. Help them get plugged in and realize there's another group that'll be your family. And they'll be there for you and they'll love you through it all and it's a wonderful journey by the way he said you once were not a people but now you are the people and you're not just the people you're the people of god and that means something so jesus is the right ro- who did all this the cornerstone he's the rock of transformation you're talking about changing the life he made us royal he made us priests he made us holy he made us praisers he made us the people who belong to god and lastly number six he made us recipients of mercy recipients of mercy that's what i talked to that lady about today Oh, I've received mercy. She said, mercy? I said, yeah, that means I don't get what I deserve. Mercy, God's been merciful to me. And so who did that? Jesus did that. Why, because I'm smart or because I'm, no. A matter of fact, I'm not as smart as most people. Um, but because Jesus Christ is the chief cornerstone. Does that mean I'm perfect? No, it means that I've surrendered my life and I'm striving to get to know him better. And he's changing me little by little. I've got a cornerstone. Anybody else got a cornerstone in the house tonight? Receivers of mercy. Finally, we've got to wrap this thing up because we've run out of time. All right? me argue with you all about that outline. <laughs> y'all forgive me, okay? All right, number five, be the evidence. Write this in your notes, be the evidence. Y'all ain't going to forgive me, are you? I can tell you're looking mad. Number five, <laughs> be the evidence. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 11 and 12. I'm having a blast going verse at a time. I'm seeing you picking up things out there and putting the pieces together and plugging it all in. I love it. I absolutely love it. I love it because I know this word. I could tell you a bunch of fancy stories. I could entertain you, make you laugh, and send you out of here and you wouldn't remember a bit of it. You go out in the world tomorrow and you'll sink your ship so fast but i'm but i'm so thankful unto god to go in verse time putting all the pieces together you're getting it and the word of god is going to be that which keeps you afloat amen it's going to be that which the foundation of your life the chief cornerstone the lord jesus here it is be the evidence now look he's just said the fact that and let's just kind of sum it up if we can what's the right foundation jesus is the right foundation why he's the difference maker he's the difference maker for the unbeliever because he's a rock that'll stump your toe and you'll hit up against him and things will be bad But he's the difference maker for the believer, because once you submit to him and figure out he's not trying to suck all the fun out of your life, he's trying to give you a life worth living. And he's the difference maker. So then then you realize the world doesn't love him. They hate him. They're going to hate you. But you don't live an antagonistic spirit toward the world. You love them where they are. You keep preaching Jesus. You keep telling your testimony. But you keep your eyes on Christ. And then he says he transforms our life. And now, what do we do because of that? All right? Be the evidence. Two things I want to say into this, a little number one, a little number two. Number one, write this down, under be the evidence. Now, if I was to tell you today, hey, you know, Johnny, be the evidence. If I said that to you today, Justin, when you leave out of here, I want you to be the evidence. If I said that to you, I want you to go out and be the evidence. Santa Grace, be the evidence. If I told you that, I don't think you'd be under the persuasion that it'd be an easy thing to do. If I tell you to go out and be the evidence, what, what are you talking about the evidence? Well, remember the illustration of Jesus in John 3 about the wind and the second birth? Like, you can't prove it except you see the evidence of it. So you can't prove the second birth except you see the evidence of it. It's why he says uh, faith is the evidence of things hoped for. Faith has evidence. And you, child of God, are to be the evidence of transformed lives. You are the greatest billboard for the gospel of Jesus Christ, the people you work with, the people you hang out with, the people you go to school with. Here's what he says. Number one, here's what I need you to know, that there will be war. There'll be a war. You understand that? If tonight you feel conviction of the Holy Spirit, you see it in the Word of God, you decide I'm going to go out and be the evidence. I'm going to draw near to Jesus so that he can be the chief cornerstone of my life and I'm going to go live transformed life and people are going to make fun of me and I'm probably not going to be miss uh, Florence High School and, and, and I may not be the most popular kid on the block or I may not have the you know the, 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 all the name and flair, but, but I'm going to do that because this is what he's calling me to do. Here's what I want you to know. There's going to be a war. Now, the war is going to happen, you ready? Inside of you inside of you L- listen to what he says y'all reading with me verse number 11 put your eyes in your bible there okay in your bible verse 11 beloved listen listen to the strong wording what did he say to him i beg have you ever begged anybody for anything when you were probably when you were a kid have you let me ask you something how many of you begged when you were a child you begged for maybe your favorite cereal anybody besides me i remember begging for my favorite cereal and get a whipping right there on the cereal aisle My parents hated for you to beg. Anybody else's parents in here hated for you to beg, all right? They would tune your carburetor up right there on the aisle. No more begging. But how many of you, as you got older, you haven't begged in a long time? Why why is that? When you're a child, you don't have all that pride. Anybody with me? When you get a little older, you say, I'm not begging. I'll make my own way. I'll just do without. I'll just figure it out. But when you're a kid, mm mm-mm. Uh, want to is stronger than anything, right? And yet, here Peter is uh, an apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he's saying to these people, You're talking about humbling yourself. He's saying, I'm begging you. I'm begging you. I mean, I want you to see a little kid on the cereal aisle begging them with all the fiber of his being. I'm begging you. Listen to what he says. Abstain. Oh, first of all, who, he reminds them who they are sojourners and pilgrims. What's the point there? Remember, he's already talked back in chapter 1 about the fact that their inheritance is where? In heaven. It's in heaven. And so he says, your citizenship is not down here. Your citizenship is up there. And so you're just passing through here. Now, you feel like it's all about here. And there's young people in the room. You're gearing up. You're thinking about careers and what you're going to do. Number one question adults ask you, what are you going to be when you grow up? And yet, you may not ever grow up. You may go home to heaven before you ever grow up down here. And the truth of the matter is, that's coming for all of us. And so what he's saying here is, know that your time here is temporary, your so, you're sojourners and pilgrims. Now, here's what he says. I beg you. What's he begging them to do? Verse 11, abstain from fleshly lusts. Don't do what the old you wants to do. Don't go where the old you wants to go. Don't retaliate. Now, in their particular context, you've lost everything in fi- by fire, Quincy. And they come to your house and they say, we're going we're to hurt your daughter because you set the fires. You know you didn't do it, but what's he saying there? Don't, don't act like the old old you said, no, 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 we're fixing to have a fight right here. I'm going to burn the whole city down, and that's too late. It's already been done. He's saying, don't don't go back to the old way. Don't mistreat people. Don't be unkind to them. Hey, if they make fun of you, let them make fun of you. Don't, don't be, don't go back to the old way of living. Don't go back to the, remember what we said on Sunday? Don't go back to the, anybody remember? See who remembers? Don't go back to the, oh, some of y'all are listening. That's the way you did it. Don't go back to the vomit. Don't go back to the old way of living. Don't do it. And now, listen, here's what he says. It's real easy to go back to the old you, isn't it? When people push the buttons, come on, I wish somebody would be real with me tonight. They push the button, they put, I say it's like a jack in the box. They keep on cranking, and you're like, Lord Jesus, help me, and you pray and you got your Bible verses memorized, and they keep on cranking. And what happens finally? Oh, son, there's something down in there that I thought was gone. And he pops out, she pops out. And we say things and we do things, okay? And here's what he's saying to him: I beg you don't do that. I beg you. As much as they crank on the handle, draw near to Jesus. Stay away from the old way of responding. There was a way I used to respond to things that I thank God I don't respond that way anymore. And there's a way that I responded 20 years ago that I'm really thankful unto God I didn't, I don't respond. And there's a way that 10 years ago I responded to things that I'm thankful to God. And there's a way two years ago I responded to things that I, th- and there's a way that I respond to things now that I know down the road if I will keep drawing near to Jesus, I'll respond differently if I keep on staying close to him. He'll do that. He'll, he'll continue the journey. He'll help us work. But notice there is going to be a war. Notice what he says, abstain from these things, uh, the, the fleshly lust, which, here it is, war against the soul. There's a war, man. When you go out there and they get your parking place, huh? And you done worked hard, you done made three laps around Walmart's parking lot, and they, you saw it, and you're making your way there, and they came from the other way and backed in. There's a war. Anybody else know what I'm talking about? There's a war. Somebody mistreats you. What happens? There's a war. You, how about, would you agree that living the married life, God's ways, it's like a war inside you? The flesh is saying, you you don't have to love her like that. The flesh is saying, you don't have to help him. You don't have to follow his lead. I'm telling you, it's a war. And and Peter's telling them it's so important not to just lay down down your arms and, and surrender to the flesh. It's so important because people are watching you. And how you live your life is the weightier presentation of the gospel than what you say with your mouth. It's so important. It's so important. So tonight I stand here and I beg you, don't submit to the old way. Don't respond to the people at work like you used to. Don't respond to your teachers like you used to. Don't respond to the people who just keep cranking on the handle the way that you used to. And I'll tell you this, as I'm begging you, the Spirit of God's begging me, Terry, don't respond the way you used to. It's too important. It's too important. Let, let me finish if I can. Be the evidence. Number one, there will be a war. Number two, there also will be a reward there will be a reward, all right? What do you mean? If you be the evidence, there's going to be a war, because your flesh is going to tell you something different, but there's also going to be a reward. And by the way, I want to say this to you tonight, the cornerstone, Jesus, He's worth it. So I want to just tell you, keep going, keep going. I know you may have stumbled, I know know it gets hard doing the right thing, but keep going, don't give up, don't throw in the towel, okay? Somebody need to hear that tonight. Anybody get, feel a little pressure to give up, throw the tally and go back to the old way? Anybody besides me? Feels like every turn and twist, it seems like I'm getting tempted to go back to the old way. Don't do it. Listen to what he says in verse number 12. Having your conduct honorable among the Gentiles. And that's a phrase for the people who weren't walking with God. Some translations have pagans. But Gentiles is a reference of people who are not Jewish people. But literally here, he's talking about people that are not born again. Okay, And so among the Gentiles, that when they speak against you as evildoers, now remember the context. They're sitting around town, they're saying, yeah, that's the guys. That's them. That's that weird group of people that that say Jesus is Lord. And they're the reason that we're going through what we're going through. And they burnt the stuff, and it's their fault. and And you see, they're talking about it like they did evil. But he says, you have your conduct honorable among them. And why? He says, that they may, by your good works, which they, trust me when I tell you, they're watching. They are watching you. And they're trying, listen, deep down you may not know this, but deep down they're trying to figure out if Jesus is real. And deep down there's a little part of them, will never tell you this. Deep down there's a part of them that's questioning, could it be that there really is hope for me? And listen to this, Talking about waiting. They're looking to you to answer that question. Could there really be a God who loves people where they are? Could there really be a God who can pull people out of the pit that they're in? Could there really be a God who can transform somebody? Could there really be somebody who gives you strength to break the chains of the sin that holds you down? Could there really be hope for me? And they're watching you at work, and they're watching you at school, and they're watching you on the ball field. And especially when you go through hardship, they're saying, I wonder now. I'll find out for sure now. I'll find out now because they're going through hard times. I'll find out. Let me watch. And so you've got to be the evidence. Now, you've got to abstain from the fleshly lusts, but you'll be the evidence. Listen to what he says, that, that by your good works, which they observe, they will glorify God in the day of visitation. Now I have a question for you, and I've got to close this quickly, all right? I have a question for you. Does that mean, the day of visitation means the day in which they will face the judgment of God, OK? Now, my, my question for you is this. Is every Gentile that sees them, is every Gentile that watches them, are all of them going to be saved? Every single person that ever sees? So then, I want to point something out to you really quickly that will help you as your understanding of God, okay? So then, as I'm presenting the evidence of Jesus, the cornerstone, by how I live my life, I cannot, let's listen close, I cannot do that by trying harder. I'll fail more frequently. The only hope I have of living that out is to start the day in humble surrender in the word of god and in prayer and saying lord jesus you got to help me and i need to change today and the world's not the problem i'm I'm part of the problem and lord would you just shape my heart and help me be more like and and i'm telling you as that happens we go out in the world we're we're the evidence and there's still going to be some more but the spirit of god and the word of god help you and then the church of god is there to encourage you to walk away from the old lust and when we do, we live out this, this evidence, then some of them are going to be saved. And so when they come to the day of visitation, they're going to walk into heaven. And it's going to partially be because, listen close now, what they saw in you. How wonderful is that? How wonderful is that? That they are going to be people walking in the streets of gold, and they're forgiven, and they're not facing hardship and struggle anymore. And, and part of the reason they're there is because of the difference they saw in you at work. The difference they saw you on the ball field they said man they really are different and somewhere along the line they they responded to the gospel and put their hope and trust in jesus and received him as lord but some of them will not and those will enter into the lake of fire in the place of judgment and they will face the wrath of god which was already poured out on jesus because they chose to reject his offering they will make their own offering the problem is their offering is insufficient so it will be made for eternity minute by minute, hour by hour, for the rest of time. So we think about those people. What, how, can, how can he lump both of them in one group in verse 12 and say that, While watching how you, by seeing the evidence in you, God will be glorified in the day of visitation. Because the day of visitation is going to have forgiveness. There's going to be some who are saved and some who are lost. Here's what I want you to see in that. God is just as glorified in the punishment of the lost as he is in the reward and forgiveness of the saved. Now you just ponder on that for a minute. You say, what in the world are you talking about? You mean God wants them to go to hell? Heavens, no, he sent his, are you kidding me? How could you ever rationally think that God would want somebody to go to hell when he sent his son down here to save us all? How how could you ever think that when the scripture says, whosoever will call on his name shall be saved? That means anybody, no matter what they've done. So then, Pastor, how can you say that? Because we know that these Gentiles, he's talking about, not all of them are going to be saved. How is God glorified in both? Well, because they've looked at your life and they've seen the evidence and they turned their nose up at it. It's as if they've gone through the rock pile. Here's where we're going to close they've gone back to the rock pile. And your life has evidenced for them that there is a cornerstone. And as they've reserved and they've looked at it and they've pondered it, they have. Tossed him into the rejected pile, and so paid the cost for all eternity. So I want us to ponder that as we go to prayer. Would you bow your head with me for just a moment? I want you to consider the opportunities God has given you, the roles He's put you in, the places that He's allowed you to serve, where you work, where you go to school, the teams you play on, the band that you play in, the extracurricular activities you involve yourself with. I want you to think about how those people are all simply watching you to see if this gospel you proclaim is really true. And I want to just encourage you tonight. Even if there's going to be a war, be the evidence. And be the evidence because Jesus Christ is, in fact, the rock that most people reject. But he also is the rock chosen by God. He's the rock of stumbling to some because they've chosen another stone. And the other stone they've chosen, are you ready, is themselves. You say, well, no, they chose the, the. no, no, no. Every other choice besides him is ourself. And so I want tonight, I just want you to consider those people in your life who are dashing against the stone of Jesus. And maybe right now, you would just stop and pray for them. And right now, you'd pray that the enemy, his attacks would be futile. And you'd pray that the blinders would come off of their eyes. And you'd pray that the glorious light of the gospel would shine in their hearts. And they would tonight, wherever they find themselves, that tonight, wherever they find themselves, they would begin to believe that Jesus really is the chief cornerstone. Would you pray that right now for those people that you know that are stumbling? on the truth of his word, that are, that are offended by his way, would you stop right now and just pray that with me? And Maybe you're here and you've never invited Jesus to be Lord, and I want to just encourage you this way, it's not too late. He died for you and he rose from the dead, and tonight he, he says, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, I'll give you rest. So tonight, the nail-scarred hands of the Lord Jesus say, come to me, and I'll, I'll be what you need. I'll be everything you need. I'll pardon your sin. I'll forgive you. I'll give you purpose. Some are beginning to come and pray. Matter of fact, I'm going to say this to you tonight. If you want to stand to your feet just to make room for the people on your row, if they want to come and pray, there's some people tonight praying for other people. I just believe that. I believe there are many in this room who know somebody who's dashing in their foot, their, their lives against the rock of Christ Jesus. And maybe tonight you'd be the one that God would call to come and, and intercede, stand in the gap. Say, so I'm going to pray for that child of mine. I'm going to pray for that son of mine. I'm going to pray for that husband of mine, that wife of mine. I'm going to pray for that friend of mine. I'm going to pray for that teacher of mine, that coach of mine. I wonder if you'd be sturd enough to leave out of, your, out of your row and come down this altar and just spend a minute calling their name out to God. God, would you touch them? God, would you help them? God, would you minister to them? They're hurting, listen. It hurts to dash your foot against a rock. They're hurting. So would you pray that God would open their eyes, that they would see the good news of Jesus. Let's just sit here for a moment and pray can we do that will you do that with me just right where you are just begin to pray we pray for the people in this room pray for the people who are listening in a different location than us take a moment pray for those who listen this will be on the podcast later on so would you pray for those who will come upon it later on and that wherever they find themselves however many days weeks months and years from now that god would speak and minister to them right where they are isn't it interesting you can pray for them right now right here if you're here and you've never been born again i urge you i beg you tonight Come to Jesus, come to Jesus. Stop bashing your life against the rock. He's immovable, but His love for you is also immovable. Father, I pray you take this time of invitation. Lord, that you would move in our hearts, God, that you would draw us to yourself. God, I thank you for this journey we're taking through the first letter Peter wrote. Pray, God, we would all take notes in our heart. And tonight we leave here different. So would you be glorified in all that's said and done as we respond? God, would you bind the enemy and the distraction? And that if somebody needs to respond by joining the church, by following through in baptism, or by just coming tonight and publicly professing tonight, I invited Jesus to be Lord that God they would do that. So we pray your kingdom come and your will be done. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen.